You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. Coming to you from Santa Barbara, California, in quarantine, like the rest of you. Uh, before we begin, I do want to remind you that there is a website called wealthformula.com on which there are multiple uh, resources for you, including free books and uh, downloads and white papers, uh, webinars, you name it, to go uh, go ahead and check that out, wealthformula.com, because there is only so much I can do on the podcast alone, uh, and there are other resources that, hey, you're just missing out on if you're not going there and signing up. It's also a place where you can sign up for our investor club, uh, you can also go there and check out potentially uh, our course, Wealth Formula Network, for those of you who are interested in sort of taking it to the next level and joining our mastermind and also doing a course uh, with the likes of uh, Tom Wheelwright, Ken McElroy, and, well, just a bunch of really smart people. Check that out at wealthformularoadmap.com if you're interested uh, this has been a, a particularly good time for our uh, Wealth Formula Network to have each other to lean on, and our biweekly calls have been really fantastic for that purpose. Now, uh, as for uh, today's show, you know uh, we are still uh, as a you know I am recording this on a on a Wednesday before it will be um, released. So you know these days. Uh, between now and Sunday when, when the podcast is actually released, is it's like a million years. So who knows what happens. And today, you know, the, uh, the Dow went down like by 400 points. But then, you know, the last two weeks before that, it was up a ton. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the funny thing is that I think um, things are artificially look like they're going better than they might actually be going. You know, as expected, the government rollout of this multi-trillion dollar stimulus program uh, to save the economy has been sloppy and slow when people have not gotten, uh, you know, their their checks and their unemployment. Um, people who need to tap into that unemployment insurance can't get through on the phone. Businesses who need money can't get the money they applied for. And when they do, the terms are unclear, so they're not sure that they even want to accept them. Some businesses have given up or they're going to give up soon because they'd rather do that than take on a big loan from the government to their grave. And they have decided to call it quits uh, while they're behind. Meanwhile, amidst this whole mess like I was saying a little earlier, the Dow Jones Industrial Average showed a remarkable turnaround over the last couple of weeks after dipping below 19,000. Uh, and hey, that's great if you have money in the market. But quite frankly, I have to tell you, I don't understand the rally. Most businesses, after all, those who are represented in this uh, equity market are closed. Right. So how could you have a business that's closed or, you know, barely operating and uh, the stock is, you know, worth more than it was two weeks ago? I, I don't understand. Uh, we still aren't clear of when this pandemic and all of its stay at home orders will end. And even when it does, that's really just the beginning. Right. It's just the beginning. People aren't going to, you know immediately when the quarantine, the stay-at-home orders are off and restrictions are lifted, 
they're going to happen gradually. We're not going to immediately book our vacations, go to sports events or concerts, stuff like that. That may not happen, probably won't happen until after there's a vaccine, which, well, hopefully that happens, uh, hopefully that happens, uh, you know, and uh, by early next year, that's what our hope is. Um, but, you know, listen, in the meantime, thousands of businesses, as I said, will not survive this ordeal. And that's going to leave a lot of people unemployed. Small business, uh, you know, employs like 50% of the U.S. population. So with all those businesses going down, I still, listen, I wouldn't be shocked if we're coming around to the fall, the winter, maybe the election, and we have double-digit employment going in to the end of the year. I really would not be surprised. Because from an economic standpoint, listen, we are at the very beginning of the fallout. I don't I don't care how those peaks and troughs look when it comes to the virus and deaths itself. The economic part of it is just the beginning. So again, why is the stock market going up? I don't get it. Anyway, I suspect that most people who are buying into this market uh you know, they're they're speculating, right? It's going to go up and down, and they're hoping they can catch some waves. Maybe there's a, a fear of missing out in the event that the market just takes off. But either way, there seems to be a fundamental disconnect between the markets and reality. Because for those of us who are small business owners or real asset investors, not just real estate, but any real asset, we have a little bit better perspective, I think, than most people who are uh, throwing their money in the equity markets. Because if you have a small business right now and employees to pay, you may understand that there is a possibility that you may have never thought of before, that you may not recover from this event, that your business may not recover, that you're having to potentially fire people that you never thought in a million years you would fire, Right? That's the kind of stuff that happens when you own a business. If you own residential real estate or any kind of real estate for that matter, um, you're also really understanding it, certainly from the commercial and office. Gosh, I mean, no one's coming to work, right? Uh, I, I'm, I'm hearing about literally, you know, AAA um, type companies not paying their rent. They're just saying we're not going to pay. Because of the COVID, uh, COVID nineteen, and and well, we'll let you know when we're going to pay. That's what landlords are being told. Um, you know, obviously, I, uh, it, our group, our investor club, our uh, Wealth Formula Investor Club is primarily in in residential real estate right now, and you know whether you're part of that, whether you are a part of you know have your own residential real estate or whatever. You also get it because you have an idea of what your tenants are going through right now. You have an idea that a lot of them are losing their jobs, don't have any money to pay. And it's and it's affecting your ability to collect rent. And you understand that if you don't collect a certain amount of rent, well, then you can't pay the mortgage. But then, well, the mortgage people are saying, well, listen, we'll, maybe we'll do a forbearance for you, but, you know, in order for you to, you know, get all of your rights as a property owner back, you're going to have to pay the rest of this. You're going to have to catch up, right? So there's no forgiveness here. 
there's no forgiveness for us business owners and um, ultimately uh, uh, us investors. Now, is a time like this where sometimes you're going to see that uh, you know, you're being stress tested, more than stress tested, that you're being really tested, period. And you're going to realize if there are things that you should have been doing better, or doing worse or whatever, uh, you're going you're gonna to realize that maybe you weren't well capitalized and now you're freaking out. Now, if that's you, I hope you don't lose any property, but I can pretty much guarantee you that distressed assets will become common in the not so distant future. Because, again, this event, this black swan event, the COVID-19 pandemic, which, uh, you know, maybe it's once in a lifetime, but I have a feeling it's going to become more common, sort of like those thousand-year floods have suddenly uh, become every five years. But this uh, black swan event just happened, right? It's like an earthquake just hit us. But worse than the earthquake sometimes is the after effects, the fallout, the tsunami. And to me, that's what the financial fallout, uh, what we're all waiting for. It's a tsunami, right? And it could end up being that maybe I'm completely wrong and it's nothing big, but I doubt it. I think this is going to be big and ugly when you put all these pieces together and when you look at it from the ground. Um, Anyway, To get a better perspective on what's going on on the ground, uh, this week's uh, Wealth Formula podcast features a conversation with another physician podcaster uh, that that speaks to other types of physician activity outside of medicine. Uh, Dr. Dave is going to join me, and he and I are going to discuss both the virus itself at the level of what he does for a living, what I used to do, and also how it's affecting businesses. Hopefully you will enjoy it. Make sure to listen to it right after these messages. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Uh, this is Buck Joffrey from Wealth Formula Podcast and uh, Dr. Dave Draginas uh, from Doctors Unbound. We are doing a show together. Uh, we uh, just connected over email uh, recently, thinking about some of the things that are sort of unique to our groups and uh, the people that we talk to. So we thought we'd do a, a joint uh, podcast. And so some people know who I am, some people who know who Dave is. But um, Dave, why don't you start out? Who Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. So so thanks uh, for agreeing to do this. I think it's awesome. Um, Dave Draginas, I'm an anesthesiologist. I still practice clinical medicine and I do and host the Doctors Unbound podcast. Been doing that for two plus years. And you were you were a guest on our show. Gosh, I, I think it's been a year or so. So thank you again for doing that. Um, we'll you know we'll link up in the show notes you know with that episode as well. And um, you know, gosh, I don't know what it's been a couple of weeks now, a, a month or so. And you know, we started getting the first cases of COVID nineteen here in my area, and kind of seeing what everything was happening online, seeing what everything was happening in my community, seeing the reaction in the markets. And it felt like I had just entered a black swan. Um, and so it's been kind of crazy, you know, uh, you know, what's, what's been going on, um, how, how all of this has affected everyone, physicians, non-physicians, investors. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, I had some, some members, 
there are some listeners of my podcast reach out and, you know, and they, and they wanted to know more details, how this is affecting me, how this is affecting, you know, our community. And so um, we talked a little bit about that on the podcast. And what I've been trying to do is, is, you know, talk to other, other physicians, other podcasters out there to get their sense of, you know, what's going on with them, what's going on with their communities. Um, so we can kind of share and support yeah. and learn from each other. So thank you. Thank you again for uh, agreeing to do this. Um, you know, we'll put this out on both of our podcasts. You know, if, if you're a listener on my podcast and you haven't checked out Dr. Joffrey's podcast, you know, we'll link up to that. Go, go check out his podcast too. He does an awesome job there. Um, so just kind of, you know, growing the message and, and, and sharing with each other. Yeah. So, yeah. And just so, um, I give you a little bit of background for, uh, Dr. Dave's, your, your, your podcast listeners, my podcast is wealth formula podcast. We're not really a doctor podcast. They do have a lot of doctors in the podcast. I happen to be a doctor. Um, I'm in, uh, I'm, you know, ENT facial plastics guy who, who, uh, really only practiced for a few years. I finished uh, training it in uh, 2009 or so, and then practiced till I was about 40. Um, and then uh, just kind of just, you know, entrepreneurship and business and real estate. And now I guess podcasting. So that's really my story. It's, it's different. My podcast is really focused on, you know, high paid professionals and investing and, and uh, um, a lot of non-traditional stuff. Um, so, so that's, that's the story with, with me, but I, I want to throw it back to you, Dave, because I think one of the things that I I'm curious about is, you know, I haven't really honestly talked to a lot of doctors about, uh, what's going on and you are in a, a field of, of anesthesia where, you know, you're probably out there intubating people, you're, you know, putting these ventilators into people and, and, uh, t- tell us about how that's been. Yeah. So, so it's been kind of crazy, you know, um, I, I think I was a little bit ahead of the curve in the sense that I was tracking what was going on, you know, earlier on in Asia than, than, than hearing firsthand stories of what was going on in Italy and then just, just kind of bracing for the storm. Um, so, uh, I kind of saw it coming and then, you know, in our areas and then it started, you know, kind of becoming you know, the talk of it and the preparation started becoming more pre- prevalent amongst our hospitals to the point now where, as you can, I'm in the Dallas area, the Dallas Metroplex. Yeah, the Dallas Metroplex. So luckily we're not an area that's been super hard. We do have cases, um, but it hasn't been like New York or Seattle or something like that. Um, but, you know, just to give you an idea, you know, elective cases have gone away. So uh, on the one hand, you have a lot of doctors, you know, who are hurting financially because, you know, anybody who, who depends on that type of work to generate income, that has been drastically reduced. On the other hand, um, as you mentioned, you know, we, you know, as part of our job, we regularly intubate, intubate patients, which means we place a breathing tube to take over the breathing, typically during a general anesthetic type of a case. Obviously, now that has become a big issue because these patients who get really, really sick with COVID-19 to the point where their body can no longer uh, tolerate breathing on their own. Um, they get they get intubated and placed on a ventilator. And one of the procedures that is super high risk for spreading this virus is this act of intubating or placing that breathing tube. And you know, we anesthesiologists are right there, you know, basically at the mouth, at the head of the bed, 
um, getting ourselves, you know, potentially exposed to this. So, so it's, you know, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal because, you know, you, you may be personally concerned about contracting this virus and how you're going to react to it. But also, you know, for me, the concern is also, um, am I going to bring something home to my family? Um, I've got small kids. I've got, you know, fortunately kids have been relatively spared from this, but I have a child that's under one year of age. So that makes me a little bit more nervous. And I have my in-laws that live with me. Um, and so they're a little bit, you know, advanced age. And so I worry about, yeah, um, you know, bringing something home that could potentially harm them. And tell us about what that looks like. What do these patients look like? I mean, Dave, I have to, I have to admit when it first, when this started coming out through the pipe, I think I was on the side of what I was hearing. It was like, okay, well, this thing in, in China, maybe it's bad even, maybe it's SARS, but I, I it didn't even cross my mind that it would come here. I know it sounds stupid, right? But it didn't even really occur to me. It seemed like something that was, a, you know, somewhere else. And, you know, we were like, oh, is this going to affect supply chain? Is this going to this? And did you, I mean, how is this, how is this different? Why is it different for, I mean, my non-medical audience, I'd love for you to kind of give your commentary on, on, you know. Sure. So, so I'll preface this by saying that I, you know, I'm by no means a, you know, a COVID-19 expert, but as a physician and, and with my medical understanding, I'll, I'll share with you kind of what I know and, and what I understand. Um, I, I think one of the things that makes this particularly dangerous um, is this period of time when you can have somebody who is infected with this virus they're asymptomatic, meaning they're not showing any symptoms of being sick. They're not showing fevers. They're not showing cough, anything like that, where they might think as a, you know, conscientious person, Hey, I, I need to stay away from people. So there's this period of time and, you know, it could be anywhere from a couple days, I think to a week and a half or something like that, where, you know, people can be walking around going through their community and they're infectious and they don't know it. And so I think that's one of the scary pieces of this particular virus because that allows it to spread very easily. Um, the other part of it that is really scary is that we are seeing um, young people struggle with this and be have a really severe impact from it. Like you were talking up to the point of intubation and once you get intubated, your chances of surviving are not great. And we, from what I've read so far, we don't understand completely why some people do much worse than others. There's certainly an age component. There's certainly a comorbidity component, but I've heard of young, healthy people who, you know, get hit really hard and, and are not making it through. So you can imagine it's, it's kind of like, you know, luck of the draw or, or rolling the dice or something like that. You don't know how well you're going to do once, once you're affected. And from a healthcare worker's perspective, there are some studies that are showing that, Healthcare workers mm. seem to be affected a lot worse. And, you know, there's theories as to why maybe we're just exposed to higher viral loads because of the intubating, because of being in that environment so much. But there is some correlation with healthcare workers getting a more severe form of the disease, unfortunately. So, yeah, and I'll, I'll just throw in my two cents uh, from my, you know, people uh, that, that want to learn more about this too, which is I agree with Dave. I mean, basically, what has ensued is that this this virus is very smart right it's smart because 
it's not as deadly for everybody as the big scary ones that you hear about, like Ebola, you know, or or the the first uh, you know SARS or some of these other things that that happened earlier, and that has made it more deceptive because a smart virus is not going to want to kill its host right away. It's going to want to actually kind of keep it alive so that it can move on to the next person. And so what has this has become in in many ways is uh, it, it becomes sort of a deadly case of musical chairs. Right, where somebody's getting a virus, passing it on, getting a virus, passing it on, and then all of a sudden you get somebody who, you know, it it gets very sick or dies. And that's what's made this so particularly um, uh, difficult to to manage. And the other thing is that, uh, like, like Dave was saying, it does preferentially seem to hit, you know, people who are older, who are, uh, you know, diabetics or obese or whatever. But there are these things that we're finding out, you know, could it be some receptors in the lungs? Uh, you know, Dave, I don't know if you saw some uh, studies on you know, different variations of ACE uh, receptors in the lungs that might uh, might make it more easy for these viruses to hit young, totally healthy people. So really, you're in a situation where, well, darn, you if you're not at least a little bit worried about this virus right now, pretty much no matter who you are, um, I don't think you've kind of understood the gravity of, of what's going on. Yeah, yeah the, the latest thing that I've read, and again, I don't think this has been <clears throat> vetted out completely or anything like that. This is this is kind of medical theorizing, um, is that it may attach to, um, you know, the hemoglobin molecule, maybe one of the chains there, almost mm. like a carbon monoxide poisoning type of a situation where once it attaches there, now oxygen cannot attach Mm. Um, and you know, if we're remembering back to medical school and physiology, yeah. you kind of have, you know, the oxygen dissociation curves kind of looks like an yeah. S and, you know, and then, and the, like the way the chains work and, you know, it, it kind of, you know, they, they kind of help oxygen bind. And then, you know, once that's not working well, um, you know, your ability to, you know, to utilize and transport oxygen goes way down. Um, so there's some thoughts and, and there may be something to it from what I've read that, you know, it's somehow affecting, you know, that hemoglobin and the way it attaches oxygen. And um, that's super scary um, because. Yeah. And there's some like heart damage issues that we're just starting to learn about people who are recovering. I mean, this is, this is kind of a, you know, it's, it's, it's that uh, disease X that people have been talking about for some time. We just, unfortunately, we're not prepared for it. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing, um, just beyond the disease, beyond the the this is this is happening now. But in in some regards, what we have to start thinking about is okay, what's next? Um, have you given any thought or have any thought? You know, what what is tomorrow going to look like? Right? I mean, what happens when? You know, we're, you know, I heard Fauci talking about how the curve typically when you hit a peak, it really starts to slide down very, very quickly. Right. And so say we we get to the point where Wuhan is now and we're, you know, in New York City or whatever, we're uh, we're down to no deaths in a a day that are attributed to this. Uh, When do you see that happening? I mean, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but based on what you you've heard uh, and you know, what is that, what does that look like afterwards? Yeah. The short answer is, is I, I, I'm really not sure. And, yeah. you know, like you were saying, you know, 
peaks and valleys, hopefully smaller peaks and smaller valleys and kind of going through, uh, you know, this, the cyclical process. There's a lot we don't know. Um, there's, you know, if this wasn't so scary, um, it would all, it would be more fascinating to see how the world is kind of using its brain power and everything, collective brain power, to try and figure out how to beat this. Right? Um, you've got people working on vaccines, you know, in different parts of the world. You know, can something potentially be developed? sooner rather than later that'll be a big difference people are working on novel therapies can one of those things potentially be a game changer people are trying to repurpose other meds right like the hydrochloroquine and stuff like that could that work so um if it wasn't so deadly it would be fascinating to see how you know the world is working to try and 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 combat this i'm hopeful i'm always kind of an optimist so i'm hopeful that um, you know, things won't be shut down for that long. Um, and, uh, you know, with, with time we can, um, you know, kind of get this more under control. Cause one of the big issues, I mean, we talked about how quickly it, it can be infectious and spread one of, besides it being deadly for a certain number of people, which is tragic is, is the idea that this spreads so quickly that it overwhelms our healthcare system. And unfortunately we're seeing signs of that in New York. Um, and we saw signs of that in Italy. Um, so hopefully with, with these, you know, social distancing measures, hopefully with, with all of these other hopefully treatments and things down the road, um, it won't be such a, such a big, you know, strain on, on the world, if you will. Well, I think it already is. Um, <clears throat> and I would, I would argue that, you know, much of the damage, um, uh, that that's going to be followed from this, the economic damage is going to be. I think far bigger than most people are really giving, um, giving credit to. Um, and even looking at today and, you know, I'm not, I'm not really a stock guy, right? I'm a real estate guy for the most part, but, um, just looking at the Dow Jones industrial the last couple of days has been in kind of creeping back up and it seems very strange to me. Let's just such a strange optimism, right? Like why in the world, would the stock market be rallying when most businesses are closed, when both most businesses are not generating income? It is absolutely mind-boggling to me. And so what it makes me think is that I, I, I think that um, what we're really looking at on the ground, and you know, I'm a small business owner, right? So I have, um, fortunately, I have a, a few different businesses and, um, you know, they makes it so I can kind of survive in a lot of different environments. Um, but one of the businesses I have is a cosmetic surgery uh, business. I don't operate, but I, I have one in Chicago and we've been applying for some of these, you know, SBA loans and um, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing. And I'll tell you, it is, is a bloody nightmare, right? This whole thing is a, this whole thing, this application process who gets money? When do we get money? Um, so far, it's been a big old, you know, what show, right? And the problem is that if you look at the economic fallout of this, it really could be, uh, it, it really could be so much worse than people think right now. Because if you consider that 50% of people are employed by small business, right? small business, meaning like the kind of business that I have, the practices that people have, 
um, you know, the shops. You go down your little street, uh, you know, the little shops that you have on your uh, your main roads and stuff, everybody's shut down. And if you can't revive those businesses, if you can't keep those businesses uh, float, we're going to be talking about massive long-term unemployment. So I've been seeing some suggestions that people are like, okay, well, if we can get a hold of this in the next you know, two or three months, then it's going to be a sharp curve back up. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. And to look at that market as it stands right now, sort of creeping back slow. I mean, I'm not saying it's gone back up, but it, it suggests to me a level of people not understanding the gravity of this whole thing. So I agree with you. I, th- I think the economic fallout is, is going to be huge. Um, I, you know, no, no two ways about it. I, I, you know, even on the lower end, it's, it's going to be, I think, massive. Um, so I, I agree with you there. I think, you know, the stock market has already been affected. Um, I think it'll affect, it'll affect the real estate market as well. Cause what, like you were talking about when, when you have all that unemployment, when you have all those people out of work, it's, it's, it can't but affect um, you know, the real estate markets as well. Um, I don't know, you know, I'm not a stock expert and I don't know, but I, I'm in, I'm in quite a few groups, you know, amongst healthcare professionals. And, um, it's really interesting to me. It's interesting that, you know, for the most part, people talk about, Hey, low cost index funds and just, you know, put it on autopilot and just, you know, go to sleep. And then whenever we have any kind of shakiness, any kind of turbulence, you know, people are either number one panicking or number two asking, what stock should I buy? (laughs) So, so it's really interesting that people do not take their, you know, the advice that, that they've subscribed to. Um, it's, it's human nature, I think. Um, and I think what, what happens is people look to the immediate past to try and predict the future. So I think people look at, you know, 2008 and they say, oh, well, you know, everything crashed and, you know, everything was bad. But then look, we had this decade plus of everything going up. And mm-hmm. I think people just want to assume that what's going on now is going to be similar to what happened yeah immediately before. And so they're like, Oh, okay. It's not, it's down 30%. It's down 20%. I'm just going to buy now and, and write it all the way up. It's like, well, you know, past performance is, <laughs> is no guarantee of future performance. Um, so I think there's, there's some of that going on as well. I think that's right. And, and, you know, I, I've been thinking about that a lot because, you know, uh, for better or for worse, a lot of people ask me what I think they ought to do. And I say, I, I, I'm not, there's no way I'm going to tell you what to do, but what I will tell you is this, is that um, they're, they're, the people who are out there telling you that, oh, just stay the course, this is, you know, this, you know, you're supposed to ignore all of this and just keep investing the way you are. Um, there is a certain level of hubris there um, that I think um, it's hard, hard for me to completely swallow because... If you you're right, you can look at past performance dictating the future, et cetera. But I mean, Dave, listen. In two thousand eight, um, you know, it took it took four years to recover. The market took four years to recover. Uh, that's a long time. Let's go back to uh, nineteen twenty nine. Uh, you know that uh, from 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 the highs of the Dow before the crash. Uh, you know, going down over four years, losing all of that value. 
Uh, it took 25 years for the Dow Jones uh, Industrial to recover. 25 years. And so I don't know, is, is it when we think about past performance and predicting the future, are we only willing to look for the last 30, 40 years? Right? Um, right. There, there is something to this that I think that, um, listen, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate for thinking about things in, in a historical context, but don't ignore part of history. So that you can, uh, so that you can skip to the part that you like. Um, this is something that I think people ought to be thinking about. Um, I would be, I would hate to be in a situation right now uh, where you know I was thinking about retiring on, on you know, with my my stock portfolio or whatever within the next year or two. I'm not saying that this is going to happen. I'm not saying this is a depression. I'm saying that. Right now, I, I don't know which way this is going to go. And I don't know anybody does. And so I think for people who just sit there and talk about not worrying and, you know, just stay the course and all that, I think there's a lot of hubris there, huge amounts. Yeah, I read an interesting article. It was, I think it was like Harvard Business Review or something like that. And it was, it was a very interesting article on, you know, a lot of the stuff that we just talked about now since, you know, since you know, COVID-19 hit. And basically the upshot is that, you know, there's too many unknown factors to know how bad it's going to be, you know, whether this is going to be like a V-shaped recovery or a U-shaped or something worse than that. And, and even some of the smartest, you know, purportedly some of the smartest minds are saying like, Hey, we, we don't know, we don't know. And, and, um, so for me, the, you know, what I got from that article is that it's probably going to be pretty bad and we, we can hope for the best, but we probably have to just prepare that it, that it may be pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, there's aftershocks to anything like, right. I mean, if you mm -hmm. think about, okay, maybe there's a V shape to the recovery in terms of individuals, right. Maybe we're all of a sudden we're, we're not, you know, we're not getting sick anymore. But does that mean that everybody's going to go out and start going on vacation again? Does that mean that people are going to start flying everywhere, going to concerts, going to games, and being in, in the middle of a bunch of other people? It's going to take time uh, for people to get comfortable with that. And if you end up uh, out of this thing with 25% unemployment, it's going to be even more difficult to do that. So I'm just putting that out there because I think that um, the optimism, I'm sort of baffled by the optimism right now. I don't see anything to be optimistic about. Um, yeah, no, I don't either. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, you were hinting at some things that are very interesting, which is, you know, are there going to be some structural differences to the economy based on this? And there, you know, there very well may be, there may be some structural things that are going to be very different going forward because, you know, this virus becomes cyclical or it does not get completely wiped out or, or something else, you know, you know, comes along. Um, that is something that we don't know, but something that we, we have to think about. So let's, um, let's talk a little bit about what, you know, what you're doing and what I'm doing in terms of, uh, investing and how it's, uh, how it's, uh, you know, how th things are going with that. So t tell us a little bit about, I guess, your, uh, your investments and your interests outside of medicine and how those things are being uh, affected right now? 
Sure. So, you know, one area where we're, you know, I would say heavily invested in or where we've had a, a lot of interest in our short-term rentals. And as you can imagine, almost overnight, um, you know, bookings just went away. Um, went away because, you know, the, the whole world basically came to, came to a stop. So people who were traveling for whatever reasons, like we were talking about, weren't traveling anymore. Um, so for me, one of the biggest lessons, unfortunately, something that I was practicing um, was having cash reserves, you know, and, and I think, um, you know, if you're going to be a business owner, and, and I think you should be a business owner, because I think that's one of the one of the great ways along with real estate to create wealth, you've, you've, you know, one of the biggest take homes for me is running you know, a solid business and having those cash reserves. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'm, you know, I'm not sweating right now um, because those reserves are there. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, it's painful, um, but I can weather the storm. And I've thought a lot about, you know, the short-term rental business and I think it will be back. It'll be different, um, but I think it will be back because our economy is so complex. You know, we had, I'll give you just an example. I'm in a kind of suburban urban area. I'm not in a traditional vacation market. So it's mm-hmm. going to be different depending on your market. But in my market, you know, people rent homes um, because of weddings, graduations, coming into town for surgery and needing to stay for like five days to be in touch with their doctor in their mm-hmm. hospital. Um groups traveling together for conferences. Um, I'm remodeling my house and I need a a place to stay for a week or two. Mm -hmm. So it's all of these different reasons that people need short and medium stays that I don't think they're going to, you know, all go away. Um, So I'm still bullish on it. Um, I think, unfortunately for some people, the people who are highly leveraged and were not running, you know, a very good business, um, this may wipe them out or, or they may have to change to a uh, long-term rental or, or do something else. So I think a lot of the supply is going to go away and I, I see it as an opportunity for, you know, for the, for the people that are standing or the people that, that want to come in. Um, so it's tough right now, but I'm actually optimistic about what it's going to look like going forward. What, um, what, uh, uh, so you're, I mean, if you look at what you're doing, it's interesting because it's not quite vacations. I mean, it's, so vacations yeah, might be so even harder. Sh- yeah, I think the term that I like to use is, is short-term rentals because like you were saying, vacation rentals, you know, implies that, you know, it's a vacation home somewhere, somewhere where people, you know, either Disneyland or a beach or a mountain or something like that. Um, but I think what these platforms, what this gig economy and what Airbnb, VRBO, booking.com, I think what these platforms have done is they've allowed people to travel differently. And all of these different stays, whether you're, you, you go to a city, for example, you know, I've got four kids, younger kids. If I ever go anywhere, I don't want a hotel room. I want to, I want to rent a home because I can put the kids in their different beds. I can put my little one in a crib somewhere. And then I still have a kitchen. I, we, you know, you can't do that in a hotel room. Sure. Um, so, so I think short-term rental is kind of a more accurate, you know, description of the market. And then that market is very wide. It, it can encompass vacations. It can encompass hosting, traveling nurses. You know, it can encompass a lot of different niches um, of the market. Yeah. I mean, um, so what kind of, you know, other things are you hearing from your listeners? 
um, you know, issues with regards to various business activity, et cetera. Is there anything that, that kind of sticks out that might be worth sharing? Well, I mean, I think some of the stuff we talked about is it's the idea that in the short term, whether people are an employee, so let's take healthcare because, you know, a lot of my audience is healthcare, whether people are, you know, a physician or other healthcare worker that's employed, I hear of, of pay cuts, right? That's coming down in and the other aspect of it is too, you know, even if you're in private practice, like we talked about, you know, private practice volume in most areas have gone down. Now, is there, um, is there a market there where people can supplement that income? Yeah, there is, you know, obviously you'd have to take on the risk, but I'm also seeing on the flip side, you know, nurses, uh, are in heavy need in, in New York, for example. And I'm, I'm hearing of offers of, you know, 10 to 13 grand a week for a nurse to go work in, to go work in New York city. Um, so, so there are these, these opportunities for the folks who have seen their income go down. Obviously that comes with, uh, with a certain risk cause you're basically going right into the middle, middle of the fight there. Um, but, you know, dealing, dealing with that income reduction, I think like you so eloquently put earlier, it's affecting healthcare workers, it's affecting employees, it's affecting the employers, small business owners, it's affecting everybody, which is why, you know, that's why I'm so concerned about the economic impact of this alongside, you know, the, the physical human impact of, you know, of having people die. I'll give you a little bit of a sense for you know, our, the effect. So, so back in, so let me give you a little bit of personal information in terms of, you know, how I've approached this and, and how it's affecting us because, um, you know, as you may know, we have, uh, through wealth formula, through my group, we have an accredited investor group, um, which we, you know, basically what we do is we aggregate money and we buy real estate, right? It's for accredited investors. So people who make, you know, $200,000 a year, 300,000 if you're uh, filing jointly, basically any doctor, high paid professional usually is qualif- uh, considered um, qualified to invest in these things. Anyway, we have this investor club and we buy real estate and uh, mostly it's real estate, uh, multifamily, and mo- and we also have a little bit of self-storage, et cetera. Um, so I'll, uh, let me tell you how it's affecting us because I think, um, it's probably of, of value not only to my audience, but yours, but you know, the thing that we're finding, um, is that the big, the big, in the big picture, the thesis that we were using as we were approaching, you know, this most recent crisis was, was a good one, um, which was that we're going to stick to assets that were uh, that people needed. People need, uh, you know, B and C class multifamily real estate. Uh, they need uh, they need storage, and those are areas where they typically are not going to just kind of pull their stuff out. Um, so I'm very grateful that that's the thesis that we stuck to because there was so much pressure even within my investor group to go outside of that, um, outside of that little, you know, niche, because Uh it seemed like people were making money everywhere. Why shouldn't we do this? Why shouldn't we do retail? Why shouldn't we buy, um, malls, offices? Why shouldn't we get involved with other business activity? 
And so my biggest concern was, and, I, and by gosh, I mean, I, there's no way I could have predicted this, but, you know, that there was in a sense that we were at the top of the cycle, the longest GDP expansion in U.S. history. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there, there is a lot of debt uh, in, uh, in the economy right now. It just seemed like it had to end at some point. Now, I didn't actually think it was going to be a hard recession. I did think there was going to be a turn. And um, and so what we were doing is really focusing on things that people, what people needed. Now, what's interesting to me is that how this has affected our multifamily real estate. Um, so our group, uh, I mean, we, we have collectively probably a billion dollars worth of uh, property. Um, and we, uh, in April, our collections across the portfolio uh, in rent has already been low 90s, 90, 91, 92%. Uh, so that is, I mean, that's great news for us, right? Um, but I, it, it goes back to the idea that we've fundamentally invested in things that people have to have. Uh, we're not saying that people aren't going to have some problems paying rent, but there are certainly lots of ways for the government to help out and an unemployment kicks in when, um, you know, insurance, unemployment insurance kicks in and people start, start getting their government checks, et cetera. And we think that that will help to actually stabilize our multifamily, uh, our multifamily assets even more. And furthermore, what we're, because we're positioned in that, you know, high C B minus class area, we're going to um, hopefully see some migration uh, or we may see some migration down from the people who are living a little bit, um, you know, a little bit higher up uh, in the food chain, so to speak. So it's not that it's, uh, listen, at the end of the day, every market is going to uh, feel this, um, but I think we were positioned pretty well. Um, and I think we'll have our challenges, but I think compared to uh, some other areas, we, we were we were in a good, pretty, pretty good position. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, sounds like that was well thought out having, uh, having those particular assets in, and I think that's <laughs> in a market that is expanding and growing. I think that's always kind of, you know, the risk, right? Like going, going for that, going for that return. Um, especially maybe if, if, you know, depending on your deal flow too, it makes you want to, to kind of, you know, expand if you will. Um, but it sounds like you guys were, um, you know, kind of had your criteria, had, had, had your area of expertise and, and stuck to it. And, and it won't be easy. Um, just like for me and my short-term rentals and will not be easy. Um, but, uh, by structuring it properly, having, having reserves, understanding the market, um, being able to probably pick up assets, yeah. you know, as you know, later on, not, not right now, but, uh, as we kind of start figuring out what's going on, um, you know, you know, it's unfortunate for the people that, that suffer and get hurt, but there's always opportunity to, in, um, in these types of market as well. Yeah. I mean, listen, bottom line is I think that, um, you, you learn a lot from these down cycles and, uh, I think that, you know, people, no matter what, always get in these situations where they're in a, things have been going well for a decade and um, there's, 
you know, people don't believe the party's ever going to end or that there's ever going to be that kind of shock to the system again. Well, there always is. <laughs> there just always is. You know, historically, yeah, and our ability to is. predict when and where is, yeah. is, is so bad. Exactly. There always is. But the smart, the, the people who are going to do well after this are going to be people who learn from this and say, you know what? I'm always going to keep in mind what happened to me in 2020 when, uh, you know, when, when COVID-19 shut down the entire economy. What did I wish I had done during that period of time? Uh, you know, like I said, with we got lucky, I think, in some respects where we're in a good, a good, decent asset class. People need to stay home right now, too. We own the homes, right? We own the place where they live. And we've also been heavily into, um, you know, various types of cash flow life insurance. And these were the products that in the Great Depression that survived, you know, they so. I'm not saying that we came out perfect. Of course, there's always ways to think, oh, man, I, I wish I was positioned this way or that way. But I would just say to everyone, think about your situation right now and think about the things where you have exposure. It's still early in this. And you're sitting there wondering, like, you know, I wish I had, you know, maybe if I had owned some of this or maybe I had exposure to this kind of asset class. Maybe if I had split my portfolio up a little bit a certain way, maybe I would be feeling less scared right now. And if you learn from it and try to, you know, use strict discipline when times are good uh, to, to keep one foot in a safe place, I think you will greatly benefit from it. Because in my opinion, actually, Dave, the, um, if you look at, um, debt and you look at demographics and that sort of thing, we're going to come out of this. I think, uh, I don't, uh, we're going to come out of this. It's not going to be the great depression, but, um, but you know, the 2030s, there's a lot of things that are seem to be coming together just right, um, in that decade, uh, to make it sound like a lot scarier, uh, inherent economic, uh, situation. So, uh, I would I would start using this as a stress test on you know survivability and um, and and try to try to make some moves uh, to make your your portfolio more resilient. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, you know, additionally, what I heard in there is this is a good time to figure out your risk tolerance, right? Like when everything's going great, everything's going up. Everybody everybody thinks they've got an aggressive you know, appetite, aggressive risk tolerance, but, but now is probably a good time for you to re, you know, and for me to, to rethink that and think about, Hey, uh, you know, you know, what is my tolerance really? Um, and like you said, uh, adjust from there and, uh, and, and, and figure it out. You have any other questions for me, Dave? No, I think that was good. I want to thank you again for, uh, you know, for doing this. I, I think this was great to talk through these things. I think both our audience, hopefully you'll get some nuggets there, some, some benefit from it. Um, I, you know, I'll, I'll end just, you know, with hope. I, I think, you know, I think we're going to get through this. I don't know what that will look like. Um, I think um, certainly there's going to be a big economic price to pay. Hopefully the human life uh, price will be as little as possible. Um, and, you know, we're resilient. We're going to learn. And, uh, I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, we'll be better on the other end. Yeah. Never let a crisis go to waste either. You know, that's the other, uh, that's the other lesson is that despite all the horrible, uh, human tragedy here, 
Um, you know, there is a lot that people can use to to pivot during this period of time, be reflective, figure out where you are in life, what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, uh, and then go out and seize the day because things are going to get better. And um, it's sometimes nice to have a an opportunity to refocus. And uh, from an economic standpoint, there are certain things about this particular time that are going to make some people really flourish in the next few years. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, Dave, good talking to you. And um, we will close it out for this week. Uh, and uh, this is Buck Joffrey with Wealth Formula Podcast, along with Dave Draginas from Doctors Unbound, signing off. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, uh, you gotta, you gotta give a round of applause to guys like uh, Dr. Dave there um, with people with COVID nineteen literally kind of coughing in his face, so to speak. Um, that's uh, that's some tough work. I can't say that I uh, that I wish I was back in the in the game again right around now. Um, I want to leave you uh, reminding you that there is this thing uh, called Wealth Formula Network. If you are looking for you know people to talk to, you're looking for this as a time to get a little bit more financial education, get caught up in stuff, I would highly encourage you to check out Wealth Formula Network, which is really, uh, we have a course that starts it all, and that is called Your Roadmap to Real Wealth. And then there is a featured uh, there's a featured uh, Facebook page, and uh, we stay in touch with each other all week, every other week long. Uh, and then we have bi-weekly phone calls. They're not just phone calls. They're actually on Zoom. Of course, now everybody uses Zoom, so you probably understand what it is. And we get a whole bunch of our, um, our listeners, uh, our members, and we get on those calls every other week. And it's been really good during this period of time. And uh, if it's something that uh, you think that you may benefit from to be around a bunch of like-minded individuals, I would highly encourage you to check that out. Uh, go to wealthformularoadmap.com. That's it for me this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. This is Buck Joffrey. Stay safe, and I will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time.